This episode is brought to you by FastBitcoins.com. FastBitcoins.com allows you to buy Bitcoin easily and safely in physical locations in the UK, Canada, and Estonia, and they're expanding quickly. They are the world's first cash-to-lightning exchange, delivering your Bitcoins right over the Lightning Network. They also have integrations with Samurai Wallet and Breeze Lightning Wallet, and more coming soon. Fast Bitcoins offers users the ability to stack sats without giving up too much personal information, and the business never holds customers' Bitcoins. Find Fast Bitcoins vouchers on BitRefill and physical point-of-sale retail outlets in a growing number of places. Check out the FastBitcoins.com interactive map to find the location nearest you. Hello, Bitcoiners. My name is Ansel Lindner, and this is Bitcoin and Markets. On this show, we honestly explore Bitcoin to the best of our ability. We take a look at stats, metrics, the tech, and the economics behind it all. My goal is to stay ahead of the curve and to take you along with me. Thanks for joining me. Let's go. What's up, Bitcoiners? Happy Friday. Hope you all are doing very well, even with this price decline. Of course, we'll talk about the price, but we have lots of stuff coming up here today. Some lightning news. Um... Some development news, altcoin news, Fed news, all sorts of stuff wrapped up in the show. Give you a nice foundation to view the space. My standard admin notes up front here. The show notes for today's episode will be on the website bitcoinandmarkets.com forward slash E182. Don't forget to sign up for our free weekly newsletter, The Fundamentals Report, that has all the charts and a bunch of market commentary. Some I cover here, some I do not. Uh, So it is a very important resource for people in the space. And lastly, if you want to support the show monetarily, the value for value model, help us out. Go to patreon.com forward slash Bitcoin and markets. There's also free ways to support the show, uh, like rating us on iTunes and other things. You can find that bitcoinandmarkets.com forward slash support gives you all a bunch of different options for that. Okay, let's get in to the show. All right, guys, let's get into the eToro price talk. eToro is the world's leading social trading platform. You can interact with other traders, follow successful traders, get followed yourself. You can even start with a free demo account. Use my link in the show notes. On Bitstamp right now, we have $9514. Last week, I was pretty bearish. If you go back and listen to that episode, I talked about how I thought the most likely contrarian point of view was for people to start questioning this entirety of the bull market that we have started here. So that would necessitate lower prices. 8500 is definitely in the near future and lower prices are possible as well. There's a lot of things in the chart and in the fundamentals of Bitcoin right now that should make bulls pretty uncomfortable. Okay. First and foremost is the utter lack of volume. I'm looking at Bitstamp right now and it is just ugly. Over the entirety of August, we have been declining in volume and now it's to very, very low levels. I mean, um, it's not, it's not looking good uh, on any time frame you look at. If, if you zoom out to the weekly, it's just, falling off a cliff. We had increasing volume up to the top at 14,000. And throughout this whole space, throughout this whole last couple months, the volume has just been decreasing without relenting. Um, we cannot find any buyers. And I've said that several times and people, 
I guess maybe are confused about that. So the way I view this price is that, you know, if you have a certain inventory that you want to sell of any good, uh, you sell it at a, at the certain market price that you want to sell it at, say, an uh, apple for a dollar. If you can't sell all your apples, you have to lower the price, right? And then there's more demand there and you can sell out your inventory. You can have a clearance, discount, whatever. Um, so if you think about that for Bitcoin, right, We the price keeps going down and the volume never comes in and the price keeps going down trying to find people to buy. Uh, and there is no... There's just no buyers right here. Uh, even the last couple of days, we've had these big red candles and there has been no strong bounce. I mean, we went down to, what was the low yesterday? The low yesterday was 93.20 and we have come almost $200, pretty much $200 off the lows. But I mean, it's not a strong bounce at all. If we expect a low here, we, we're going to hit a pocket of demand. Uh, maybe that's down around 9,000. So as we go down to 9,000, we'll hit a bunch of bids. We have to go down there and find this demand, find some volume. We need a big spike in volume to say that, you know, this has turned around. Um, I have said in the past that we have um, trended upward with low volume. That's fine. It's the opposite way in that respect. We're looking for sellers and the, the price will just keep trending up. Right now, the trend is down with no volume to reverse off of. And it's just not looking good. That would make me very uncomfortable if I were in a long right now. Of course, never short Bitcoin. <laughs> so where are we going in price? I can see us shaking a little bit, going back up to 10,000, back testing that 10.2 area, and then we'll test that and come back down. Or we just fall straight down to 8,500. I don't know. It's, we're going to go down before we go uh, making new highs again, okay? We're going to go quite a bit further down. And how long will this last? Who knows? We got to find that volume. Um we're, this is a good excuse in this mini bear market, as I've dubbed it, uh, to concentrate on the fundamentals and to concentrate on the infrastructure once again. Okay, we got a little bit of ahead of ourselves with lightning development and even like liquid development and institutional buyers coming in and, and new custody things and backed launching and all these other things. Well, we got ahead of ourselves and we're, we're paying the price right now. There's nobody wants to buy this. So it's going to go lower, just a matter of when and how far. I think this bear market could go on for another month or two uh, before we really break out and test some of these highs. All right, that is price. Let's take a look at Lightning Network news. So there's some big news this week. Shopify merchants can now accept Lightning Network payments with OpenNode. I've checked out OpenNode in the past. I like the company and I like the service that they provide. So this is great. Uh, Shopify was using BitPay in the past for on-chain payments. And of course, Bit BitPay is one of the worst companies in the space. So as uh, hopefully volume goes from BitPay, what little there was, over to OpenNode with Lightning, that would be great. Again, like I just noted, getting back to the fundamentals on Lightning Network, continuing to build out. Uh, continuing to uh, expand and enable the next wave of adoption to come. Uh, so that's that's what this kind of signifies to me. It's a really good story, and hopefully we can see more of this in the future. And that's it. That's all I have for Lightning. Let's go on to Miniscript. 
If you've been a longtime listener of the show, you know that I have uh, talked about Bitcoin is not falling behind and developed. That's a ridiculous argument to say. It's indisputable that Ethereum is beating Bitcoin in development. No, that's wrong. <laughs> Bitcoin has the top cryptographers in the world and probably more like infrastructure building. Yes, there might be some people, more people making dApps or something or uh, figuring out how to scam some incentives uh, into the networks, uh, into their coins more over there on Ethereum. But uh, as an ecosystem, uh, Bitcoin definitely has more development. And here's here's an example of this. So Miniscript, uh, if you go to Bitcoin Optech newsletter, uh, that's bitcoinops.org. They have a newsletter that comes out every week, and this is where you want to go if you want to keep up on the development side of Bitcoin. Miniscript is a couple-year-old effort by some major names in the space, one of them being uh, Peter Willa. And I'll just read this here real quick. The developers of this language have requested community feedback on their initial design. Miniscript allows software to automatically analyze a script, including determining what data is necessary to create a witness that fulfills the script and allows any Bitcoins protected in the script to be spent. With Miniscript telling the wallet what it needs to do, wallet developers don't need to write new code when they switch from one script template to another. So it's smart contracting, right? Scripts, Bitcoin has smart contracts. It's ridiculous to say that Ethereum is smart contracts and Bitcoin is money. Bitcoin does robust, simple smart contracts like multi-sig that Ethereum can't even natively do. It also does uh, time lock. So that's very powerful, very simple. Can't spend these coins until a certain period of time. So it does these smart contracts very, very well. Uh, and... Now this mini script is enabling more things. So it's kind of a derivative. Um, I want to just read a couple lines from the, from SIPA's mini script uh, introduction here on his website. Mini script is a language for writing a subset of Bitcoin scripts in a structured way, enabling analysis, composition, generic signing, and more. Miniscript functions as a representation for scripts that makes these sort of operations possible. It has a structure that allows composition. So it's a derivative in my mind. Uh, it's all these little pieces that it's a shared standard that people can agree to and use uh, that you can make m more complicated smart contracts. It's not going to be uh, to the absurd level that Ethereum is. You know, that's very, very unsecure the way that they do it. Uh, but this is going to give Bitcoin developers way more flexibility uh, in a graceful way. So, and this has been, they've been working on this for at least a year. I can't remember exactly when I first heard about it, but it's been at least a year. And now they have uh, released this for initial comment. And I think it's exciting, very exciting. Of course, Miniscript is on the back of the stuff I talked about, uh, I think two weeks ago. Taproot, Graftroot, and Schnorr, this bundle of privacy features and aggregating technology that's all about cryptography, <laughs> high-level stuff. Again, Bitcoin has the best cryptographers in the world working on its code, and that's supposed to be coming out in the next year or so. So we have a ton of development on the base layer, and we have a ton of development in Lightning um, and Liquid and all of these things, including this... Uh, Shopify stuff, you know, so people are working constantly on Bitcoin and it's way, way ahead of Ethereum. It's ridiculous to even compare them. 
I just want to jump in real quick here, guys. This is a post-production edit. Um, running across this, I found this uh, one of my old school transitions that I used to use in my podcast. Talked a lot about altcoins here today, and so I just wanted to play this. I used to have a segment called Altcoinville way back in, I don't know, the first 50 episodes or something. I had four parts, and one of them was Altcoinville, and each one had a different intro. Uh, anyway, I thought it was fun, and I just wanted to play it for you guys to go into this segment of talking altcoins. Altcoinville. Guys, let's get back to the show. All right, so I touched on Lightning and Miniscript. Now let, let's let go a little bit more into these altcoins. I know I talk about them a lot, but remember, Bitcoin is really waiting on uh, a narrative to consolidate. And as long as these Ethereum uh, jokers are out there, there's going to be confusion. Uh, we see if you go to coindesk.com or any of these big websites that are the supposedly the media outlets for the space, you go down the headlines, 90% of them are blockchain oriented. It has to die. It has to die. And it probably won't because it probably will never completely die. They want clicks. And that is the way to get clicks right now is to talk about blockchain projects around the world, yada, yada, yada. I'm guessing they're not getting many clicks. There's probably this big drought in clicks at all on these media outlets in Bitcoin. So they're probably trying to push this blockchain thing. Let's get some of these DGEN people that want to read about, oh, who signed a contract with which bank for a pilot program? That's really important. I want to know so I can pump my altcoin. Uh, that's the type of stuff we're talking about here. But <laughs> uh, overall, this these altcoins, the narrative has to shrink a lot in importance. And Bitcoin's narrative has to consolidate, I think. So, and that's still, we've been saying that for over a year now. We've been saying that for over a year now, and that still needs to happen. All right, let's read this article from Cointelegraph, or at least the important parts of it. Uh, Parity delays Ethereum network hard fork over implementation of EIPs. I've talked about this, uh, I don't know exactly when I did, but probably a couple weeks ago. Um, it's phase zero out of seven for their big hard fork of Ethereum, and now they're splitting phase zero into two parts, one coming up very soon and one coming up uh, around the first of the year somewhere, hopefully. Um, and now a th this uh, big wallet called Parity, it's a big client for Ethereum. They said they're not going to be ready to support this initial half of the phase zero on time. They need two extra weeks. Let me just read this. Um, According to Parity core developer Wei Tang, the organization needs two more weeks before devs can proceed in selecting a block number for the Istanbul hard fork. According to Tang, Parity will need until September 6th for its implementation. We need time till 6th September to finish the implementation, not only because we accepted EIPs late, but right now just happens to be a large code base refactoring, and we probably want to merge them first before merging Istanbul EIPs. It's it's just a big cluster. He also went on to say, uh, citing concerns pertaining to gas-related issues, and that's in Ethereum, gas is like fees. Uh, and, of course, that goes to what uh, Vitalik was talking about um, 
with Ethereum being almost full. Uh, but uh, yeah, so the, the fee issues, he talked about that, cautioning that it would be best to resolve them before implementing a hard fork. According to Wei, it's preferable to fix these gas issues before launching a mainnet hard fork, since it will be more complicated to change course once the fork has already occurred. This, in turn, he argued, may actually delay the mainnet's launch even more. I don't have to go much into this other than to say, what a cluster. And compare that to Miniscript that I just talked about. Miniscript is a non-consensus breaking change, and it's been worked on for already two years, and it will be worked on for another year at least. Uh, and when they do launch it, it will be a soft fork that people can, uh, you know, just upgrade to as they need it. <laughs> that is so much better than this craziness. Something bad is going to happen to the Ethereum chain, to the Ethereum network. I almost guarantee it. All right, next altcoin craziness is from <laughs> from the Ripple community. Uh, the Ripple community is threatening to take over if Ripple execs keep dumping. So at the beginning of Ripple, they printed 100 billion tokens, 100 billion. All of those went to the founding members, and then they sold them off, okay? They've been slowly selling them off. People can buy them now because there's about, I think, 40 billion or so that's available on the market. Uh, the other 60 billion are still held by Ripple itself, the organization. And then every month, a billion comes out of escrow and they can dump it to pay their bills, whatever they need. They, you know, they need to pay for banks to say that they're having a pilot program with them. Oh, just say you're doing a pilot program. We'll, we'll fund it with uh, $10 million. <laughs> so they do that by selling their Ripple on the market like that out of escrow. Now the XRP people, XRP army, the ripple army are, they're getting really upset about this, that they're getting dumped on because it's down. I think it's what, like 70% against Bitcoin on the year. Uh, so it is having massive pains. Anyway, so one of the big guys on crypto, uh, on Twitter, there, crypto bit Lord, he's been around for a long time. This joker, he said that, uh, I'm thinking about forking XRP so we don't have to deal with the founders dumping. This will be a community effort. Retweet if you're in. Brad Garlinghouse, Joel Katz, you have 60 days to stop dumping XRP or we will stage a community takeover. If it's a decentralized network, like you say, we have the power to do it. <laughs> well, they're going to find out that it's not decentralized. Okay, there's a few nodes that run that whole damn thing. Anyway, it's just funny. This is the type of stuff we see desperation seeping into the altcoins. We're going to see need to see more of this uh, from all sorts of projects. One last story for you guys today. This is in regards to the Fed and the president. Um, we all know that the uh, Chairman Powell and Donald Trump have been kind of butting heads. I've talked about this quite a bit on previous episodes here or previous uh, weeks. Well, this is an op-ed from Bill Dudley. He is a pretty important guy. He was a former Goldman Sachs chief economist and a former head of the New York Fed. And remember, the New York Fed is the most important branch of the Federal Reserve System. He's an insider's insider. Uh, and he had some stuff to talk about here. 
I'll read a few quotes. So he was talking about the Fed and the trade wars, right? And how this is, uh, is the Fed going to be blamed? Trump is trying to blame the Fed. Uh, the Fed kind of had some really weak speech blaming passing the buck, the buck back to Trump. So here is uh, what he has to say. This manufactured disaster in the making presents the Federal Reserve with a dilemma. Should it mitigate the damage by providing offsetting stimulus or refuse to play along? Just think about that statement. He is toying with your livelihoods. He is toying with the global economy for a political vendetta. And that's what happens when you have centralized money, when you have government money. That they have discussions like this. Should we or shouldn't we crash the world economy, make people starve, hurt people, kill people? You know, that's the, the, these are the people we're fighting with Bitcoin. Quote, if the ultimate goal is a healthy economy, the Fed should seriously consider the latter approach. And that is refusing to play along with Trump. The Fed could go much further. Then he talks a little bit more about how the Banks are the the central banks are being blamed, uh, especially the Fed, uh, for a lot of these world crises. Um, so this is a bad thing, and he doesn't want the Fed to get pigeonholed into this type of thing because that that, like I've said in the past, this could be an existential threat to the Federal Reserve. Um, so here's some more quote: Central bank officials face a choice: enable the Trump administration to continue down a disastrous path of trade war escalation or send a clear signal that if the administration does so, the president, not the Fed, will bear the risks, including the risk of losing the next election. And the most important quote of the whole thing, quote, there's even an argument that the election itself falls within the Fed's purview, end quote. That is just a nice way to say, we control the elections. I mean, how long, if you guys are... Li Longtime listeners of this podcast and you've been in the freedom movement or a gold bug or whatever, that is a common thread throughout all of these uh, libertarian and Austrian school uh, groups is that the Fed knows that they have control of this, right? The, it's the banksters. The banksters are in control. And he's admitting this. Remember, he's an insider's insider. And he's admitting that, well, he says it nicely. There's even an argument that the election itself falls within the Fed's purview. So if you read between the lines there, he's saying, we control the outcome of the election. And we can play hardball with, with Mr. Trump here. And that's what we should do so that we are not blamed. Right? Uh, anyway, I just thought that was interesting. I hope you guys... Uh, you guys should check that out. All right. That's it for this week. Thank you for joining me. My name is Ansel Linder. This is Bitcoin and Markets. Uh, sign up for the report. Uh, support us on Patreon so we can continue to make more of this type of content. Uh, that's it, guys. Have a great weekend. Peace. Peace.